Good day to you, fine people of God. I'm Pastor Cole McClendon coming to you from Central Assembly of God, Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. I trust that you will find great value in listening to this message today. My hope is that you're encouraged and strengthened by the word given and that you will return to this site frequently to listen in. Be blessed. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Well, I'm excited to share the word with you today. The early service was amazing. And I love when I've got a good word from God. Of course, I think that that's the case every week, but it just excites me whenever I get the chance to uh, share the word with people like you. My message, you can see, is titled Expectations. I could give it a subtitle. Uh, did we dismiss the kids? They, they already went, right? I just see a few more in here, but maybe they just love mom a lot. I have a subtitle that I could stick on this called Be- Beware of Your Surroundings, or really it would be Beware of the People Who Surround You. Everyone in here has dealt with the struggle of unmet expectations. If you have not, you will probably within two weeks. What do I mean by that? Well, somebody will not get the gift they were expecting for Christmas. One of you young people between the ages of 12 and 16 are not going to get that brand new iPhone 11 you were expecting. But you'll get a cheap knockoff. But it's not just young people because really unmet expectations are almost always at the heart of most marital conflict. I just gave you married folks something that you can walk away with for free in the middle of a message. It's at the heart of most marital conflict. Somebody believed something should have been different. Their expectations were that it would be different. But the other spouse just didn't pick up on it. The fact is, most arguments among those of us who are human are connected to unmet expectations. Pastor Stephen Furtick, he said in a message from, I believe it was March of this year, when you don't understand someone's expectations, you can't make sense of their disappointment. When you don't understand someone's expectations, you cannot understand or make sense of their disappointment. Oddly enough, I'm here, though, not to talk about your expectations, but rather to talk about your faith. Faith, after all, is an expectation. I'll show that to you in the Word in just a minute. So, but I want you to understand expectations. You're going to hear the Word frequently. 
throughout this message. It's a message about faith, but faith is connected to your expectations. Look at what Hebrews 11 verse 1 says. Now, faith brings our hopes into reality and becomes the foundation needed to acquire the things we long for. That's an expectation. Things you long for are expectations. Some of you are sitting here right now longing for something. You're hoping that someone on your, that, that has seen your Amazon wish list. And, and, and look at what the word continues to say. It is all the evidence required to prove what is still unseen. That's the passion translation of Hebrews 11 verse 1. Faith brings our hopes, our expectations, into reality and becomes the foundation needed to acquire the things we long for. It is all the evidence required to prove what is still unseen. I've got another quote that I'm going to put up on the board for you. Faith is a confident assurance that a negative circumstance still holds the potential to produce great purpose in my life. That's not in your notes. Take a photo. I'm about to change the screen quickly then. Faith is a confident assurance that a negative circumstance still holds the potential to produce great purpose in my life. What that means is that I and you can walk into a seriously dark or difficult situation and light it up because of my faith. So I've been waiting all week to say this to you. So you can say it to your neighbor. We about to light this place up. <laughs> and, and this place is lit. Come on now. Where you go? Doesn't Jesus Isn't he the light of the world? Isn't that what we are now celebrating this season? The light of the world has come. So you may be in a difficult and dark situation, but that situation is about to be lit because you're in it. Amen. Your faith can transform your dark situation, your difficult situation into a whole different thing. Amen. So let's, that's why I'm bringing this message at this time. It's Christmas season, so it's all about faith. We're going to look at all about faith this morning. And I'm going to take you to an odd place to talk about this to begin with. But I'm shaping this thing, and so it's going to take me till 1 o'clock before you get out of here. I'm going to set you up in advance. You won't walk out of here before 1 o'clock unless you are raptured out of here. Which that's all right, Lord. It's on you, Lord. Look at Romans 8, 28. You know this verse, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those that, who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. I think we can all admit that the Bible is pretty clear on this point. Let me put it another way to you. If we love God and commit our lives to him, 
He will take care of the things that happen in our lives in an ultimately positive way. That's what that verse means. It doesn't mean that you won't have trouble. How can he cause things to work together for good if they're not things that don't seem good when they're happening? It's just practical understanding. Why would he present it in this way? But I want you to understand this principle. God will work things out ultimately for your good. Even though it may not seem good in the moment. If you love him, and if you're walking with him the best you are aware, your capacity to walk with God. Now, I got another biblical truth. So understand this one first. This truth, God causes everything to work together for good. If I'm committed to God, he'll somehow make it work out good in the long run. The Bible also says, I am alpha and omega, the beginning and the end. Now, in case there's someone here who doesn't know the Greek alphabet, the word alpha means is the letter name for the first letter of the Greek alpha alphabet. Omega is the last letter in the Greek alphabet. God's saying in this verse, I am alpha and omega. I am the beginning and the end. And so if you're at L, M, N, or O, or P, he's still got you. Do you make that leap with me? That worked, right? You can work that one. In the middle of your mess, God's there just like he is at the beginning of your mess. If he said, I'm omega, that is to say God understands the end from the beginning. So he's in the middle with you where you are right now. God knows the end of a thing at the beginning of the thing. Yeah, you need to write that down. God knows the end of a thing at the beginning of the thing. Whatever that thing is, whatever all of those situations are, and whatever it looks like in the midst of your life, your struggles, your difficulty. We're going to talk about faith and expectation, but you've got to understand, you don't build faith without going through exercises. So let's get to it. Faith is an expectation. Faith is an expectation. We love to shout these words. God is good And why do we do that? Because it's a biblical truth. You know it because it comes from Psalm 23. It's in verse 6. God confirms this truth. God is good. Surely goodness and unfailing love or mercy, most of you know it as, will pursue me. You hear the words? We'll track you down. We'll find you all the days of my life. So God is good. Surely goodness and mercy 
will follow me all the days of my life. So the first truth that I just delivered to you was this, that all things work together for good. Ultimately, God will work good out of the most difficult of situations. The second truth I want you to catch is that God's goodness will pursue you. It's all wrapped up in this same thought. Do you know that God doesn't just know your zip code. He knows the number of hair on your head. I said hair because some of you make it easy on God. <laughs> he knows. He knows the numbers of hairs on your head. He doesn't just know about you. He doesn't just know the area in which you reside. He doesn't just know about the place you work. He knows you intimately. Here's another Bible truth I want to confer on you. Philippians 1, 6. He who began a good work in you will complete it. He'll be faithful to complete it. Here's it. Here it is from Philippians 1, 6 in the Word. I am certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished in the day when, on the day when Christ Jesus returns. Alpha, Omega. I am certain, Paul said, that the one who began, Alpha, a good work in you, will be faithful to complete it, Omega, on the day when Jesus Christ returns. That means he'll not just get you. This is a good word. This is good for those of you who came to this altar call a moment ago. He will be faithful to complete it. He'll make it happen. Give him the opportunity. Keep giving him the opportunity. This is an active operation here. So that should bring assurance to your faith. So you know that God will work things, all things together for good. And we know that God is good all the time. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me or pursue me all the days of my life. And we thirdly know that he who started the work in us will complete the work with us. Somebody shout hallelujah. hallelujah. I'm glad that God is that way. He'll be faithful to complete it. Faithful to complete it. God's not like your children who do half the job and say it's done. Oh, I cleaned it up, Mom. I'm sorry. God's not like your children. He, he'll complete the work. He'll complete the task. He'll fulfill it. Because he's faithful to his word. Now, you know the one thing I love about my age? One thing. There are a lot of things I don't like about being 58. But the one thing I like about my age is experience. You know, there are some things you don't gain until you've walked the path a little bit. All of you people over 50 years old say hallelujah. 
even you 40-year-olders. You've walked a little bit. You know some stuff. You know some stuff. I, I wish so bad I had listened more to my dad and my grandmother. They knew some stuff that I didn't know when I was that age. I didn't know it. I, I have a few guys that, in this church that last year just decided they wanted to learn how to shoot a bow and arrow. They knew because I've talked about it from the pulpit that I do it. So they asked me, will you teach me? And, I went, and they were really, truly interested. And they are shooting a bow and arrow these days. They've been hunting this year. And here's the thing. When I started teaching them about this, I thought, there's so much that's in this head that comes from years of experience. And I just rattle off stuff that I'm thinking to them, this is sounding so complicated. But it's there. Experience brings knowledge and understanding. Don't be so quick to blow off your grandparents and older people that surround you. They have something you don't have. They do. And I can tell you right now, on the other side of this coin, I, I'm, 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 I'm on the other side of that coin now, and I'm looking back saying, boy, I wish I'd have listened more. I wish I'd have slowed down. So let, let me give you young people something. Take a minute. And I mean that the way you mean it. Take a minute and listen to your parents, grandparents, and some of those older people that work around you too. They know a little something that you don't. You just don't. You may have enthusiasm. You may have strength. You may have boldness. Listen, I know. I remember the days when I'd get on the side of my pickup truck and just jump off the side. I don't do that today. I mean, I wouldn't even think nothing about it. I'd pull vault off the side of my truck off to the other side. Didn't think nothing about it. I'd pick up a deer when I got one and throw them in the back of my truck. I don't do that by myself today. I learned a little something. Experience. However, there's a negative side to this experience. It can diminish expectation. Let me explain that because you need explanation after all I've just now said. I need to explain this. You get knocked down enough times in enough ways and you start to lose your ability to think that this thing can work out easily. When you're young, you'll go in the middle of stuff. You'll get yourself in the middle of stuff. I'm, I'm thinking right now, I stuff, I, projects I started. Pastor, ask Pastor Mackay right now about projects starting. Go in with all kinds of enthusiasm. I can do this. I can do this. We're going to have this house knocked out in, in a week and a half. We'll have it ready to go. Oops. Said everyone that ever determined they were going to do a house project. In their 30s. Walk the path. Bend down there. Doesn't happen like that. You're going to run into something. 
you diminish your expectations lower a little bit because you walked in some of this stuff and you recognize now this may take a little more time, a little more effort. You get knocked down enough times, you say something like, well, I guess this is how it's supposed to be. This is how it always works out in my life. I guess I'm just going to have to struggle through it. That's diminished expectation. Let's go into the story at hand and we're going to see where it takes us on this journey with expectations and our faith. We're going to look at a Christmas story. Zechariah and Elizabeth. You Bible scholars know where we're headed right now. Let me give a little background just in case somebody's here and they don't recognize these names. Zechariah and Elizabeth are the parents to John the Baptist. All right? Zechariah serving as in his priestly work in the temple. He's serving in the, in the temple as in a priestly role, and he's inside the part where not everybody could go. And he's doing his service when an angel visits him and tells him, you're going to have a son. You're to name him John. He's going to be different from most kids. You treat him differently. He doesn't drink any alcoholic beverages for his entire life. He's to live like a Nazarite. This is a special kid you're going to have. And Zechariah poses a question which ultimately lands him in a place because his expectations had been lowered. He lost his voice for nine months. He couldn't even tell the people. He had to write down stuff to explain what, what had happened inside. They knew something in particular had happened. It took him longer than normal. And, and when he come out, he, was, he looked different. And then he couldn't talk. So they were in a position, let me just sum it up this way. Zechariah and Elizabeth were in a position where they couldn't have kids and suddenly they're going to have a child. God shattered their expectations in abundance. Not only would they have a child, but he would not be an ordinary child. Hallelujah. What makes him extraordinary? I'm going to read to you in just a moment from Luke 1.15. John would be filled with Holy Spirit in the womb. Look at this passage of Scripture. Uh, did y'all catch that? I know I moved quick. Filled with Holy Spirit. There's the words you need to fill in your notes. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth. That's a special child. It's not said of other children. Even great men and women in the Scriptures, it's not said of them. And he will turn many Israelites to the Lord their God. He will be a man with the spirit and power of Elijah. <laughs> he will prepare. Elijah was bold. Elijah was bold. He was the guy that went to King Ahab and said, hey, it's not going to rain here till I say so. And then he boogied to a creek. 
to be fed by ravens. Anyway, and that's what John became. He was bold. He will prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. I want you to hear that last line. He will prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. That's John the Baptist's role. The parents are Zechariah and Elizabeth. Got to stay with me on this one. He would then be the precursor or a precursor for the coming of the Lord. The scripture says you are going to prepare a way in the wilderness. He would preach from the, the, uh, the Jordan River and loads and loads of people would come and hear him preach. He was bold like Elijah. It's important that you catch this. Now, let me turn to the next page, if you will. John the Baptist's role would be one of great importance. So this child born to Elizabeth and, and Zechariah was a very important role. This would mean something entirely different for them versus us. We have hindsight. We have 2020 vision because we've already had, history's already been made. We know what John would do but they had an entirely different expectation for John the Baptist than you and I do. Every Jewish child was taught that Messiah would come and deliver them from all oppression. I'm pausing for you to catch this. This is an important point. Every Jewish child was taught that Messiah would come and deliver them from all oppression. Remember, they were now currently under Roman oppression. Right? You're still with me. They're under Roman oppression. So, Zechariah gets this angel to visit him while he's serving in the temple and tells him not only is he going to have a child, but he's going to be a special child. He would tell people of the coming of Messiah. Zechariah and Elizabeth now understand this fact, and they begin to tell people the story. They had seriously different expectations for Jesus than you and I, with our knowledge, have. In fact, what we believe and understand Jesus is going to do on his second coming, they believed then. I just taught y'all something if you didn't know this. They believed that Messiah would do what he's going to do when he returns now they believed it was going to happen then so they were looking for jesus to come in and start a revolution a revolution that the word they already had told them they were going to win i'll see i'll show you where this gets confusing for them in just a moment do you realize that the context of a situation tends to alter your expectations context of your situation tends to alter your expectation. Uh, let me explain it to you this way. The Israelites had the sea in front of them and the Egyptians on fast approach behind them. 
that changes your expectations. You have nowhere to go. That's why they said things like, it'd have been better if we'd have just stayed in Egypt. Now we're going to get a huge, huge beat down. Tends to diminish expectations. Your situation. How about this one? We'll go New Testament on you. Lazarus was not just dead. He was dead for four days. This is not like someone who had been asleep for a little while. He was dead for four days. His own sister said, don't go in there, Jesus. He's going to stink. It's been too long. Context tends to alter your expectations. The roof starts to leak. The check engine light comes on on your car. The washing machine begins to squeal. And it's two weeks before Christmas and one of your teenagers is expecting a brand new iPhone 11. How many of you parents, your expectations just went down, didn't it? Sorry about your luck, Johnny. This year, you get an e-phone. New from China. Has all of the same qualities as an iPhone. Lazarus wasn't just dead. He was dead four days. That'll change your expectations. You get in the middle of your mess. Your expectations can diminish. But I'm not here to talk about your diminished expectations, but how to turn them around. How many of you love a turnaround in this kind of a scenario? I've had enough of this mess. I'm ready to ride high for a little bit. So let's go back to Luke 1 again. Here from the Luke 1, verse 30. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great. Now follow these words. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. That's what the angel tells Mary, the mother of Jesus. Think that has an impact on their expectations? The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David. They're now under Roman rulership. They're, they're excited now. Things are about to take a big turn for them. Even in the angel's explanation to Mary, you see Jesus is going to have a thr throne reigning over Israel. This is setting the stage for their expectations. They were living in a time of great oppression and consequently they were excited to hear of a turnaround. You would have too. Think about that for a moment. If every day of your life right now you knew that there was a ruling agent that could at any moment 
just because of who they were, imposed their wishes on you. A type of slavery. That's what they were under at this time because of Rome ruling over them. But we're not here talking about the diminishing of our expectations. We're here talking about the turnaround. Expectation, you see, is contagious. I'll put it together for you. I'm not lost here. Look at these words again. I'm going to show you in Luke chapter 1 again, verse 39 now. A few days later, Mary hurried to the hill country of Judea, to the town where Zechariah lived. Remember that name? She entered the house and greeted Elizabeth. At the sound of Mary's greeting, Elizabeth's child leaped within her, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Elizabeth gave a glad cry and exclaimed to Mary, God has blessed you above all women, and your child is blessed. Why am I so honored that the mother of my Lord, capital L, should visit me? When I heard your greeting, the baby in my womb jumped for joy. You are blessed because you believed that the Lord would do what he said. Expectation is contagious. You want to catch all the expectation you can. You want your faith increased all that you can. Mary's not visiting Elizabeth because Elizabeth won't understand. Mary's visiting Elizabeth because she knows Elizabeth understands. Out of anyone else in the entire world, she doesn't go to her own mother. She could have stayed in town, hung out with her own mother. She could have gone, things, all things being equal, she could have spent time and, and, and knowing the magnitude of what was going on within her, she, could have, she should have been embraced by the chief priests in the temple. But she wasn't because their, their expectations weren't contagious. Their faith wasn't contagious. Their faith was the opposite. This can't possibly be true. So if you've been sitting around sulking with the ones who have little faith and low expectations, you need to rush to surround yourself with people who have great expectations. Mary decides she's going to come alongside someone with high expectations. It's important that you connect with people with similar expectations, with similar or greater faith. You want to find people like that. It's why I love evangelist Jonathan Shuttlesworth and always keep inviting him back here. He's coming, by the way, this year in the end of May, very end of May, for a week. He makes me want to believe God for greater. He encourages my faith. He wants me to, he helps me to, to know that I can trust God for things beyond my imagination. He encourages me and strengthens me to believe that God's still working the impossible. So Elizabeth has a miraculous birth happening. She's with child now six months along and Mary knows it. 
already six months pregnant with an unexpected God-sized miracle. I love God-sized miracles. Only can, they can only be explained with God. They don't just happen. They happen with and because of God. Now follow me. This is where and why I'm bringing you this message now during Christmas time. Mary knew Elizabeth's, knew of Elizabeth's miracle pregnancy. She knew of it. When you're visited by an angel, people hear about it. Have any of you ever heard from or seen an angel? Lift your hand. Don't be afraid. Did you ever tell anybody about it? Keep your hand up if you did. <laughs> so Elizabeth would have shared her story, her and Zechariah, and Mary knew it. She doesn't come there in ignorance. Mary knew that if she told Elizabeth how she was pregnant, she wouldn't think she was weird. You know, there's some people that you tell them what you're believing God for and they're going to think you're weird. They're going to think you're off your rocker. It's how it is, isn't it? Because their faith has been diminished. They've been smacked down, smacked around a little too often, and so their faith is diminished, and they don't have the capacity or the courage to believe God to lift them up through this next circumstance. So Mary finds Elizabeth, and she knows that Elizabeth isn't going to think she's weird. Every one of you sitting in, in this room right now that understand how childbirth happens will understand why they thought Mary was weird. You're pregnant, how? Okay. Yeah. We got a special room for you, Mary. I mean, we all know the truth. None of us would have believed that. None of us. But Elizabeth would. And Mary understood this fact. And look what happens. Mary arrives, and, and I want you to look at what happens. It's, uh, we already read in the scripture, but I'll repeat it for you here. A few days later, Mary hurried to the hill country of Judea, to the town where Zechariah lived. She entered the house and greeted Elizabeth. Hear the words. She entered the house and greeted Elizabeth. At the sound of Mary's greeting, Elizabeth's child, remember, filled with the Holy Spirit, leaped within her, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And what did Elizabeth do? Immediately, she proclaims. That doesn't mean she whispered. She gently said, oh, Mary, wow. Mary, this is, this is odd. No, no. To proclaim means to give a proclamation so that everyone within hearing can hear. She proclaims, how is it 
that I am so blessed that the mother of my Lord, capital L, should greet me and come to my home. That's a proclamation right there. And so Mary already gets the confirmation. Her expectations now can ride high. I know I'm with child, and I know I didn't sleep with a man, and yet I'm with child. God is. And hear what Mary, or excuse me, Elizabeth said, because you believe God would do what he said. You believed it. So she's linking her expectations with somebody that already has their expectations on fire. So again, I'll say it. Here it is in your notes. If you've been sitting around sulking with ones that have little faith and low expectations, you need to rush to surround yourself with people who have great expectations. That's what I mean. I was at this point in the message. When I was working on the message, I thought, man, I think I should retitle this dude. Be careful who you surround yourself with. You may need to find a few new friends. You may actually have to get rid of a few old ones. Oops. Don't look at anybody right now. You need to have some people around you that put God to task. You may not like that word. You may not get this phraseology. It's what Jonathan Shuttlesworth does, though, and again, why I like him. He puts, God's, puts God to the task. He holds him to his promises in his words. He expects that God will fulfill his word because God will fulfill his word. He will be faithful to his word. You need to surround yourself with people like that that'll put God to the task. You said it, God. I believe it. Let's see it. Just Mary's greeting lit the place up. All it took. Hey, Elizabeth. Boom. Baby's leaping all around doing a, a you know, somersaults in that belly. Woohoo! Jesus is here. Jesus is here. Messiah is here. That's what that little baby's doing in her womb. This wasn't no ordinary. Some of you ladies know what that's about. No, 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 no. That little baby was inside there going, Woo! 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 Mama, check it out, Mama. Woo! Is that how Zeke was? <laughs> Pastor Mackay, come on up. You may need to work on your circle of friends if most of them have diminished expectations. You need to surround yourself with people that know how great God is and will push your faith up not leave you hanging. 
Get around some people that love God and believe God for, for the miraculous. God's still doing the miraculous. I want to remind you, God still raises people from the dead. In 2019, God still raises people from the dead. Now, I'm going to say this to you. I'm going to, I, well, I didn't get a quarter away into this message in preparation before I realized that there were going to be two parts to it. So I'm going to say something to you with absolute intent. Part two is going to be even better than part one. I haven't completed part two. I don't operate that way. I know where I'm headed, though. And I want you to know that part two is going to be even better. Next Sunday will be even better than this one. I know we got a musical group here, but I'm still going to preach. Don't miss part two. You see what I just did, though? I raised your expectations. You have my word, part two will be awesome. Come and get your faith lifted. Would you stand with me? It's possible you won't have a chance to get here next Sunday. I wouldn't let any excuse keep me out of the house of God. But it's possible that stuff happens. You won't be here. So I want to pray for you right now. If you say, preacher, I need my faith lifted. I need to work on this surrounding myself with people who really believe the word of God. Would you just lift your hand up? I'm not even going to ask you to close your eyes. Say, I need a faith boost. I need a booster shot of faith. Precious Jesus, take this word now. Really, Lord. Help folks to just piece it together. Come to an understanding. I, I got to work on my faith. And Lord, I need help and I know I need help. And God, you will take them to the place they need to be with you. That their faith be not diminished but increased. They become all that you desire for them to be. God, they've got some territory they need to take for you and your kingdom. Come on, Lord. Help them. Help them. Help them. I told you once before, say it to him, Lord. I told you I was going to get you through this. I will get you through this. Come on. Come alongside of somebody that can have faith and believe God with you. You laid down your dream. Say, Lord, I'm picking it back up. It was, I, I got damaged. I, my faith was diminished and I, I took a few blows and it hurt me in my faith belly. God, I, I know that you're still God. I know you're still in control. I know that that vision, what I was believing you for, is possible. It's never too late to employ my faith. So God, help these men, women, and even these young people to grab hold of faith in a way that they've never grabbed hold of before. This I pray in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. God bless you. I love you folks. Come on back. We got Elegance Quartet, the string quartet. 
and when we use the word elegant, they're elegant. You can actually look them up on YouTube. Elegance Court, String Quartet. Come on, see us. I hope you've enjoyed today's message and that it has been a blessing to you. Thank you for listening in. If you have met Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, would you please connect with us either at our website, www.centralfamily.net, or perhaps give us a call at 610-865-0577. We'd love to hear from you. Also, if this has been that kind of a blessing to you, would you consider blessing us with a financial gift to make it possible for us to continue to do what we're doing here and taking the gospel not only to the lehigh valley but around the world we want to do our part in reaching the people that god has entrusted to us with the gospel of jesus christ you can help us with your financial gift or sowing a seed to this ministry god bless you have an amazing day remember you can reach us and give through www.centralfamily.net.